Bitcoin. Welcome to another POW market update. My name is Anson Leonard. This is Bitcoin and Markets. This is not investment advice, people. Do your own research. Let's get started. Okay, guys, some huge news that happened over the last couple hours here, I guess, last 12 hours is this Ethereum hack. So we're going to cover that. Um, but let's go into the prices because we are seeing another surge. Now, if you listen to my last show, um, I said that we would probably come down to around 7,000. We would have, get some support. We dipped, we did dip, let's see, all the way into on Bitstamp 6,900. Um, but we found some really good support there and now we're just going back north again. So we have currently on, on Bitstamp right at 7501, $7,501 on Bitstamp and futures is 6958, which is a, a spread of only about 550 that is coming down. Um, and so I think that this futures price is starting to catch up some, you know, the two X hard fork is, uh, getting, uh, more certain that it won't be as big of a deal as a lot of people are saying. So this futures price is starting to catch up and that's as people cover their shorts, uh, they're going to be uh, buying spot Bitcoin again. So I think that this is a, a huge, uh, a huge sign that this pullback is over. Plus look Tuesday, next Tuesday, less than a week away, we have CME futures supposed to be starting to trade before the hard fork. Next Thursday is the hard fork. So still, what is that, eight days away? But it's getting more certain that it's not going to be a big issue. So if we have a price of 7,500, that means one finny is 75 cents. And I'm going, I'm starting to <laughs> quote this. Uh, this is one ten thousandth of a Bitcoin. That's what I'm calling it right now. Maybe it catches on, maybe it doesn't, but I think it's a really good middle. It's exactly middle. So it's 10,000 Satoshis and 10,000 Finnies would equal one Bitcoin. So that's right at 75 cents. All right. Market cap for Bitcoin is 124 billion. Global market cap is 204 billion, which is very surprising to me. And we'll get into that when we talk about Ethereum here in a minute. Uh, so if the if the global market cap that includes all the altcoins, uh, if all that value rolled into into directly into Bitcoin, uh, that makes a maximum price of twelve thousand two hundred and forty seven dollars. Average on chain on chain transaction value is five thousand four hundred forty, and there was two billion two point five billion dollars transacted on the Bitcoin blockchain in the last twenty four hours. Okay, um, difficulty is next. We have, again, we have these different numbers. SEPA's numbers, that's long-term uh, difficulty um, measure or source that people have used, uh, is showing us having a difficulty decline on the next retarget by 29%. And fork.lol, which is this new site that is specifically designed to uh, watch the difficulty back and forth between Bcash and Bitcoin, or watch that hash rate and measure all those numbers, they're showing a negative 5%. Um, so I'm still thinking that uh, Bitcoin's difficulty goes down between 5 to 10%. If we do have a big breakout in price here in the next couple days, then that could be a lot less, maybe even only negative 3%. But we will have a decline in the difficulty on the next retarget, which isn't a bad sign. Uh, we had a 20% increase just this last readjustment. 
So if we have a 3% pullback, that's, that's natural. And of course, Bcash is trying to make sure that we don't have any um, difficulty pullback because they want Bitcoin to be stuck. When this 2x4 happens and we split hash rate, which is not even um, for sure, right? I think there's, it's a good possibility that 100% of the hash rate is going to stay on Bitcoin and nobody's going to mine 2x. But if Bcash is, they, they're thinking that um, there's going to be a split in hash rate, it's going to make um, Bitcoin less attractive. And so people will go over to Bcash. I mean, if I were a miner, I would rather mine Bcash than 2x because 2x is going to be so much lower in price, drastically lower in price, drastically less profitable to mine. So they should mine Bcash. It would be Bitcoin's number one profitable, then Bcash, and then 2x. So there's no way that these miners are going to mine 2x. And if that's the case, then there's not even going to be a split, right? Miners will follow value. There might be 5%, as we've discovered with Bcash, there's a small percentage of hash rate that will hash uh, or that will mine ideologically. That's that's true. It's a very small percentage. It's kind of like this marginal hash rate that they can gamble with. Uh, so if you, uh, you know, if you have 100 petahashes of mining power, you might be able to play with one petahash and you'll throw that onto another coin so there's this marginal um, error there but five percent is about the cap to that and if, if you're talking five percent of the hash rate to choose between bcash and 2x i mean and bcash had that difficulty adjustment algorithm that they did that was that served its purpose in the beginning Remember, uh, and it cut the difficulty drastically, so they were able to compete. Two um, X doesn't have that, so they're looking at a th over a thousand blocks of very slow blocks. If you get five percent of the hash rate, I, will anybody do that? <laughs> if they're looking at two months between a month and two months of very very low profitability, if not just burning through money. And the opportunity cost, there was a paper or an article out, I'll find it and link it in the show notes here, where um, they, this guy, whoever wrote it, I'm not sure who wrote it, but um, it was really good and it showed, it went through and it calculated the, the cost, the opportunity cost to mine 2x. And he calculated about $100 million in, in 10 days. So do the miners have that money to throw at this? I don't think so. They're going to be smart. All right, so that's that. Uh, mempool, 10 megabytes. It's manageable right now. Nothing really to report here other than expect a big uh, sort of spam attack as we get close to the fork. And the narrative they'll push is, you know, people are trying to sell their B Bitcoin for Bcash. That's going to be pushed out there. But remember, the mempool, even if we go down to 20 or 30 minute blocks, um, the highest value transactions will get through. And that's what's great about having these fees is that it's an automatic filter for the highest economic value transactions. And that is a way to um, allocate wealth, allocate this system. So in a traditional sense, you know, you have this misallocation of wealth where you have money flooded in, people feel extra rich, and they spend it on stupid stuff. Well, or they invest in stupid stuff. Um with Bitcoin, since there is that this fee, 
you don't have this misallocation of wealth. The transactions always get put towards their highest economic value. Objectively, if you don't, if your transaction isn't worth $10 to you, you aren't going to send it. But some transactions are worth much more to you than $10 and you're willing to pay that fee. So the higher the fee, the better filter it is for allocation of wealth, which is very important to understand. Okay, OTC. We have, I don't have any new weekly numbers for uh, local Bitcoins, Paxful, or Ledger X, but uh, I do have 24-hour numbers. I'm, I'm showing 1,408 Bitcoins transacted on local Bitcoins. So that is about $10 million, which if that played out for the whole week, that would show us, um, you know, at another right around all-time high of $70 million transacted. And I don't know exactly the volume, daily volume, so I don't know if midweek is a little bit slower or, uh, you know, most people meet people peer-to-peer -peer on the weekends or Fridays or, or what. That's what I would assume. Uh, so this is a, a pretty good number for middle of the week. All right, so that's all I have for my pseudo-fundamentals. Uh, let's move on to some stories. Okay, so if you guys have been listening to me for a little while, you'll know that I'm very hard on Ethereum. I've been very hard on Ethereum since it came out. I remember when it was $12, and in my mind, I famously said, uh, $12, it should be worth $0.12. Cents. This is a test net. This is one big, fat test net. <laughs> and now they have this, uh, this new bug or this new um, design flaw that they found in the Parity wallet, which is uh, kind of like runner-up or the closest to a reference client as you can get, I think, in in uh, Ethereum. Designed by Gavin Wood, one of the co-founders of Ethereum. So it's it has a lot of clout behind it. And it was hacked, remember, just back, back in July. It was hacked where $30 million worth of Ethereum back then was stolen. And they could have gotten like a billion, but they left it because they didn't want to crash the price. So they just took 30 million. Well, now I think it's the same developer, DevOps 199. And I include some funny links here in the show notes where he went on their GitHub and he goes, uh, I accidentally killed it. That was his comment. He, what he did was there's this, this part of the code that was, um, uninitialized like some signature part of the code uh, for these multi-sigs that were uninitialized. And he went in there and initialized them at zero or something or an unspendable private key. And so those funds have been locked. All the funds that were in these parity multi-sigs have been locked. And there's conflicting stories on exactly how much that is. But I think it's been, it's, kind of whittled down here and people are saying it's about 150 million dollars worth of ethereum i've seen numbers between 150 and 250 uh, but it's a lot it's a lot of ethereum that's been been uh, locked up 
And I ex- I would expect the price to crash, wouldn't you? And the price hasn't budged. Let's take a look at this. Um, Bitfinex. The price has gone down about 4% versus Bitcoin um, in the last 24 hours. But that's because Bitcoin's had this little pump. Um, USD price hasn't budged. It has not budged. It's less than a 1% decline. It's still at $298 per Ethereum. So how is this that they have this fatal flaw, this obvious, predictable, inevitable bug that comes up time and time and time again with Ethereum, where it proves that you can't build anything on Ethereum, and the price doesn't move? Well, I mean, a lot of these <laughs> liquid Bitcoins were frozen so that kind of explains it. They're not there to sell. They're not there to dump on the market. But it's also, I mean, it, it proves that it's centralized. Because if this would have happened to Bitcoin, Bitcoin would have crashed because it's decentralized. It's held by many different people. It's traded by many different people. This is proving to me in my mind. I mean, the two options here are either it's it's centralized and so the insiders are going to hold to protect it or even buy to protect it or that um, people just have a, such a belief in the cult of Ethereum that they're not selling their coins, which I highly doubt because this is, you know, these people are speculative. If it would naturally happen, and it's happened time and time again, why would it not happen this time? Mm-hmm. So this is just bad news for Ethereum, and I don't know why anybody would <laughs> would stick with it. But I put a little, uh, I put a couple of links in the show notes. Um, on our Ethereum on Reddit, where they go through and talk, you know, they're blaming these Bitcoin maximalists like myself that has been talking about Ethereum for two plus years saying it's dumb. And they're blaming us. You need to have the ability to evaluate this. If you're going to invest in Ethereum, you need to be able to evaluate your investment. But most people can't do it. They read a headline that JP Morgan is getting on board, and so they fucking get on board. And I've heard this, so this Enterprise Alliance, this Ethereum Enterprise Alliance, I know somebody that did an ICO on Ethereum. And they uh, they were working with Ethereum pre-Enterprise Alliance and post. So they were working through that year back and forth with the developers. And they said there was a noticeable change after the Enterprise Alliance came on board. Like the the developers were very friendly, very helpful and all that. But even though they weren't like giving away equity and stuff, they're just as naturally friendly people. And then Ethereum Alliance came in and it was like business. What can you give us? Et cetera, et cetera. Right? So the, this enterprise alliance has pumped this up, but to me, that's a negative because it centralized this whole thing. <laughs> but the Ethereum heads, the cult, the people inside the cult, they see this as a positive that's been centralized by this Ethereum alliance. Mainly, I link to that thread in the show notes. It's worth going through. There, there's a lot of people starting to question this, ask for a hard fork and things to fix this because this can be fixed by hard fork similar to the DAO, how that was fixed um, i don't know if they're going to do that we'll have to see how this develops over the next little while um, maybe people don't even know because if it's in a multi-sig it's probably a lot of these coins were long-term holders at least maybe i would guess and 
maybe they didn't even look at the news yesterday. So today we might see a crash. I don't know. And this kind of ties into another story I wanted to put out here. Um, tour had a tour to Meester OG in, in the, in Bitcoin. He put out a medium post. Let's see back in July critique of Buterin's proof of stake design philosophy. I linked to that in the show notes and it is a must read must read if especially if you're an ethereum investor or you're thinking about buying bitcoin and ethereum it's a must read he goes through and basically destroys this proof of stake unicorn fantasy um vitalik then went and responded to him and broke down some points and responded to tour and then tour responded again back to vitalik's response I link to both of both of tours things here in the show notes for you guys. Um, it's it's a fantastic read, and uh, I learned a lot. Definitely, I mean, I I know that proof of stake has a bunch of attack vectors, and doing my own thinking about it, um, my my opinion is that proof of work has an objective bar of security. I can look at that difficulty and know objectively what my security is. But on proof of stake, it is purely subjective. If I value attacking more than my punishment, then I will attack. Right? There's not an objective bar to attacks. So to me, that's insecure because these these state actors, these people that will attack you, they have basically unlimited pockets. So if it's going to cost them $10 million to take down the Ethereum network, or to double spend or to do some shenanigans. It doesn't matter to them. $10 million is nothing to these guys that can print their own money. So um, that that's, to me, that's a basic. But Tour does a great job breaking down multiple points, and it's it's fascinating. Okay, next thing is centralized Bcash forks. Oh, man, I linked to this in the show notes about um, <clears throat> Bcash is attempting, I've talked about this already, that they are attempting to hard fork to change your difficulty adjustment. And they're doing this right before the Bitcoin uh, 2X fork to try to like show that they are more stable, they're a safe haven, come on over, also be uh, more appealing to miners to come over and mine on a more um, stable difficulty than it has been in the past with these big up and down spikes. Um, but it's it's completely centralized and it's funny because they broke away from core complaining about the centralization of it you know the, especially the developer centralization now this was written by one guy chosen by they, they took um submissions from multiple people but they had three submissions the one that was chosen was written by the main developer of bcash uh, so it's written by one guy chosen by one guy Tested in secret by Enchain, uh, which is fake Satoshi's company. So we don't even know like how it was tested, how long it was tested, what these simul simulations were. Um, and then they went and talked to miners themselves. And I think it's hilarious where they say they went out and talked to miners and miners are on board. If you want to talk to miners in Bitcoin, you got to go talk to like 100,000 people that are mining at home. Because most of these are pools. Or maybe not 100,000 people, but you got to talk to uh, at least a few thousand where Bcash goes and talks to like three people. It is completely centralized and they're not even trying to hide it. 
I mean, how can you say, oh, yeah, we decided on this yesterday. We've already talked to the miners and they're on board. Like that just screams centralization. It's so stupid. There's no way that they can have a lasting coin this way. But they're going to try to steal some value from Bitcoin. So don't bite off on this. And last thing I have for today is the Block Digest. If you guys haven't started watching this on YouTube, you need to watch this. This is a great show. They have It's very casual uh, content for Bitcoin, but at a very high level. And I, I love these guys. Um, they had a, a great guest on there, an anonymous guest that was uh, talking some truth to the audience about Bitcoin, about Bitcoin's attacks and everything. And he builds up that 2x is just, if you look at it as a whole timeline of Bitcoin and how attacks have evolved, uh, everything basically is, uh, can be seen as an attack on Bitcoin. Everything from, um, you know, malicious BIPs that come in to altcoins that launch trying to steal some of Bitcoin's market cap uh, to now these forks. And how these attacks have evolved on Bitcoin. And if you look at 2x in that, that vision, it is a just the most recent attempt. You know, it is the CEO-led, corporate-led attempt, uh, insider corporate-led attempt on Bitcoin. So he's not worried, and I'm not worried. Uh, but it's a great episode, and you guys you guys should watch it. It's really long, man. So uh, buckle in for, for two hours of just, I mean, it's casual content, but it's, it's, it's a long one. And I like that stuff sometimes. Uh, so check that out. Link is in the show notes. Um, one of the points that he brings up that is very important. He's like, you have to find the people you trust now. Like, do you trust the thing? Vitalik's or Greg Maxwell's? Or do you trust Professor Gunseer or Adam Back? So you got to pick these people that you trust right now because bigger attacks are coming. Bigger, more well-funded attacks are coming on Bitcoin. And you got to find people you trust. And I've been saying this for a little while now, especially about my show. So who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust me? Or are you going to trust Let's Talk Bitcoin and Adam B. Levine that's been wrong about everything? Andreas, I don't even put him in the same boat. You can trust Andreas, in my opinion. You know, he is not trying to sell you anything. All right. Um, but are you going to trust me or Adam B. Levine? Are you going to trust me or Epicenter Bitcoin that sold you so many freaking scams? The blockchain space. Anybody who says the blockchain space is a scammer. So you got to find people who you trust in the space to give you straight talk and not try to sell you anything. I don't take advertisers on the show on purpose. I could be making a little bit of, I could be making more money off this show, you know, but I don't on purpose because I want you to trust me. I want you to be able to trust me. It's great that my listeners, a bunch of listeners now, are moving into Patreon and supporting me, and that's great. And that's why I want more people to move into this Patreon-type model, because that's more trustworthy. Your fans are supporting you. So that's, that's my challenge to my listeners, is find those people you trust. Is it Samson Mao on Twitter? Is it Whale Panda? Is it uh, <laughs> some of these uh, shill accounts for all these forks is it these developers that maybe have been involved in these forks multiple multiple forks is it barry silbert you know who do you trust in the space to get your information from i challenge you to think about that over the next uh, 
couple weeks because once this 2x stuff is over, we're going to face more and more attacks there, getting more and more sophisticated. Bitcoin. So anyway, all right, that's all I have for today, guys. Thank you for listening. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. If you like to support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. Thank you to all my patrons. You guys are the greatest. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening.